Hi, this is Jill Jarris. From September 2017 through April 2020, this podcast was known as Olympic Fever. We've since changed its name to keep the flame alive, but we're committed to keeping our back catalog available to you. So please keep the name change and this disclaimer in mind as you listen to it. Olympic is a trademark of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee, or USOPC. Any use of Olympic in the Olympic Fever podcast is strictly for informational and commentary purposes. The Olympic Fever podcast is not an official podcast of the USOPC. The Olympic Fever podcast is not a sponsor of the USOPC, nor is Olympic Fever associated with or endorsed by the USOPC in any way. The content of Olympic Fever podcast does not reflect the opinions, standards, views, or policies of the USOPC, and the USOPC in no way warrants that content featured in Olympic Fever is accurate. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. It really sounds like, hey, we're figuring out what this Olympic shtick is and how to do it. Mesdames et messieurs. The greatest festival of our contemporary society, the Olympic Games, is about to begin. This is going to be close. Oh! You can do it! You can do it! Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! But that is an Olympic champion. Ready? Hello and welcome to another episode of Olympic Fever, the podcast for Olympic fans. I am your host, Jill Jarris, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Alison Brown. Alison, hello, how are you today? Bonjour! Oh, bonjour! Oui, mais oui! Okay, that's the extent of my French. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not much better than you, um, but we had to say bonjour because today we were talking about Paris. And namely, ah, Pelly. <laughs> and namely, we, what we wanted to talk about was Paris 1924 versus Paris 2024, and what will be and what has been, right? I know. It's. Do you think they did that on purpose? The the hundredth anniversary yeah. of that one. Uh, maybe. I mean, it, did that play into the decision because there was that they awarded Paris and LA 2028 simultaneously and i wonder if somebody went oh we could have a whole centennial celebration perhaps and maybe that's what they were kind of going for except for they've been trying for the olympics for so long and they also hosted in 1900 so this is kind that's of true. this is their third one but i have right. read they blew the centennial by not awarding 1996 to athens right yeah that so. was we know a few stakes and watches were involved in that decision <laughs> But so they did improve this time around. Right. So it's going to be exciting to see what Paris does. And I, I realize this is two games out and not much has happened, but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Do, 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 do. do, 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 do. Evoking memories of Paris 1924, are you? Because that is the Chariots of Fire Olympics, and that is one of your favorite Olympic movies, correct? That, I would think, is my favorite Olympic movies. That's one of my favorite movies overall. So I love that movie. And so, yeah, 1924, I guess, is sort of my 
favorite Olympics from before I was born. Far out. But I mean, <laughs> who knew? You know what the the other the funky thing? Uh, well, let's let's talk about some of the basics of nineteen twenty four. It was held from May four to July twenty seventh. So this is another one that spanned multiple months. You know why that was so long? Because from the fourth of May to the ninth of June, they did rugby and football, and uh, the fourth to twenty seventh of July, they did like the athletics and other sports. Okay, Let's so it was see. the the sports that were multiple games. Right. They did them first, which makes a lot of sense because I know when we were watching 2018 with both hockey and curling, we just felt like we could not watch them. Right, because they were well. The, the one thing, the the cool thing was they were on all the time. The, right. The not so cool thing is they were on all the time, and you could just watch those 24 hours a day and never see anything else. Right. So would it be better to spread those events? I mean, not over a month, but. I don't know, because then you get in a way that might make it easier on a venue or a host city, because then they'd have to build fewer facilities in terms of an Olympic village, because you could have those team sports in first, clear them out and then have the other Olympians come in. The downside is that you'd get that those athletes would not get the same kind of Olympic experience where you get to mix and mingle with, with so many other sports. And we've heard time and time again, that's right. one of the really cool things. Right. Because then it just becomes like a training facility. That's not the Olympics if it's not all happening at the same time. Right. And it probably also would be less interesting for the media and for fans because it's like, oh gosh, these are going on forever. Okay, so when my daughter was little, there was a video, um, a Sesame Street Elmo video, mm -hmm. and Elmo wished that every day was Christmas. Mm -hmm. And so they show how every day is Christmas, and by supposedly like you know the thirtieth time they're celebrating Christmas, it's not fun anymore. Nobody wants to sing. Nobody wants to eat candy canes. Nobody wants to light the tree. So I think it would kind of be the same way. Yeah, that you just wouldn't want to celebrate the Olympics anymore because it's always the Olympics. Right. And I, I would agree with that because especially, you know, I think about this for the summer Olympics where you're it's long enough, uh, it's long. <laughs> that is one long games. And you're really excited at the beginning. And then by that last week, it's, you're like, Oh, thank goodness stuff is over. And that's just... us saying that. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely, we, we had that feeling even Pyeongchang, like that last it's always the last couple of days, the yeah. The last, the last weekend we sort of were rejuvenated, but like mm -hmm. that, that last Wednesday, Thursday was a rough go. Right, because you're just, you're so tired. A lot of stuff has wound down. There's not much left to watch and you're just like, let's get this over. It's sort of like the second to last performer at the school pageant. <laughs> like the last right? performer, the... everybody gets perked up again, but that second to last right. one. Right. You're like, oh, I just want this oh. recital to be over with. Okay. So cool stuff from 1924. Cool stuff from 1924. This was the Olympics that the media really started to get into because there were like a thousand press people there. And it was the first olympics that was broadcast on radio so that was kind of cool so we're starting oh, to really it's yeah. really starting to take hold the, some of the traditions are this is where the olympic motto came into play and Very also nice. 
first Olympic village. What did they do before? Did they just stay wherever? Yeah, and at like hotels and stuff. Huh. You know, which is not much different from some elite athletes now. I That's guess. true. <laughs> but this is, I guess they had, the 1924 games was in like a northwest suburb of Paris. So the, the village were these cabins. <laughs> they had a little salon and a restaurant. But everyone stayed Well, hopefully here. they were better than... Some of the stories we've heard from like Munich and even Sochi, where, you know, a nice rustic cabin could be a good thing as opposed to a bathroom that you are locked in because the door doesn't work. Other first, this was when they introduced the ritual at the closing ceremony where they had the three flags with uh, the host nation and the IOC and the nation that was going to host it next. Because oh. in 1924, the 1924 Olympics and the 1928 Olympics were awarded at the same time, much like 2024 and 2028. Oh, how funny. Yeah, it was really kind of interesting. interesting parallel. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess if Paris gets awarded the games, you know that <laughs> another games will be awarded at the same time. I guess. <laughs> but this was also Pierre de Coubertin's last games. Because he retired the year afterwards. So oh, okay. it was kind so of a big deal. This until he died. Uh, yeah, pretty much. But it was, it's, I, I mean, it sounded, it really sounds like, hey, we're figuring out what this Olympic shtick is and how to do it at this point. You know, you're starting to get those rituals that are coming into play. You're starting to get swimming. This was the first time they used a 50 meter pool. So, so you're starting an to Olympic get, pool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're starting to get like those standards that come into play too. Mm-hmm. So that was cool. They also had an art competition, which was, I don't know if you've heard of this, but they've had, they had them in the early Olympics. They had these art competitions in different. Well, I know that there was at least an art exhibit, right? Cause you had sent me information about with Korea, they were doing right. an art installation. Right. And they still do art stuff and a cultural kind of Olympic things to go along with the Olympics. And you don't necessarily hear about that if you're outside of the host nation or even maybe outside of where the Olympics are, to be quite honest, because I remember going to Salt Lake and I have a book of poetry somewhere that was from the Salt Lake games that they published as part of this cultural Olympiad. And like, what is this? Because we just, you don't, for some reason that doesn't get a whole lot of play, but they actually used to have a competition in the arts. Oh, with like medals wow. and stuff. And I remember one of the first, and I've read it in one of my Olympic books that good old Pierre, he won some of those medals. Oh, <laughs> so it was a little rigged. So yeah, it was an interesting games, I would say. It was the last time they played tennis until 1988. And it was also the last time they had rugby until huh. 2016. Yeah, now I have not seen... Chariots of Fire in a few years. Mm-hmm. And now I got to go back and watch it. And I'm going to do a fact check on it. Because okay. I did I did love that movie. I mean, I've always loved that movie. And it's kind of a weird movie mm-hmm. for a kid to like. I mean, I liked it when it came out. Wow. And we were what, like grade school, junior high-ish? Yeah, I was like 10 or 11. Okay. I think. Yeah, and I loved the movie then, and I had the VHS tape. That's how long wow. I've liked this movie. I know. Wow. And now I, I've never fact-checked it, so I'll, I'll have to go back and do that. Okay. 
What? I do that. I, have I, to, I still a... have to watch it myself. I've only seen clips. I was a weird kid when you think about it to really like that movie. <laughs> it's a weird movie. To, you know, my friends are watching, you know, Back to the Future mm-hmm. and Star Wars. And I'm watching Jared's of Fire. <laughs> my mother should have gotten me help then. <laughs> it's like now you need a pe- Oh, it's a pediatrics board. Oh, there, there pedi- has to be a. There's a pediatric version of some of the Olympic disorders, apparently, since I've I suffered from it. Huh. I wonder. I wonder if any of the listeners had anything going on when they were kids. If they liked chariots <laughs> of fire with Yeah, their like dead. what what weird Olympic related stuff did you just latch onto as a kid, right? Yeah. Because you that's do latch true. onto something something strange. I mean, didn't we hear from somebody who oh no, isn't it Book Club Claire who likes Izzy? Yes. Yes. Book Club Claire was saying she loved Izzy and and the the uh, mascot from Atlanta because she was at the age for it. Yeah. At, at that point. And it sparked her interest. And, and that was it. And apparently you were at the age for Chariots of Fire. I don't know. When you see it, then you're really going to have to rethink our entire relationship. <laughs> be like oh man i didn't know this about you <laughs> so yeah that'll be your homework this week is to go find chariots of fire putting it, putting it on the list <laughs> see but this i didn't know about okay so pavo nermi is just one of those names you hear related to the olympics mm-hmm. you know one of those heroes and i never really knew what he did oh he was a runner he won a ton yeah. of medals. I know. I was when you sent me all this this information on uh, 1924. I was like, oh, that's one of those, you know, Pierre de Coubertin. It's just one of those Olympic names. Mm-hmm. And this was his Olympics. And he was and from Finland. Where was he? Finland. Finland won five gold medals at the 1924 games. That is and various running events. Very cool. Okay, so, so that's 24. So how many athletes did we have in 24? In 1924, we had 3,070 athletes, and ah. 125 of those were women. Oh, that's sad. It's very, very sad. And it's interesting to see how women are starting to starting to creep into the Olympics, I would say. But still, huge, big-time men's deal yeah yeah so they had 44 nations 126 events and 17 sports and 27 nations got medals but one thing that is going to be nice is that there's going to be a little bit of parallel from 1924 to 2024 i mean we talk about um reusing venues they're going to reuse the olympic stadium the, the 1924 Olympic Stadium. And, oh, that I like that. And that's going to be the stadium for the hockey tournament. If I n- remember correctly, the 2024 stadiums are going to be more central to the city itself. So huh. they're doing that. But they're also going to reuse Versailles. Because in 1924, they had shooting there. And in 2024, the, they're 
going to have equestrian and modern pentathlon. Okay, so how many athletes are they projecting for 2024? Well, they are projecting to have 28 sports, 306 events. They could go up to 33 sports because of the stuff that Tokyo is adding. Okay. As so, demonstrations or as new No, sports? I think those are new sports. We have to get into this because right. I don't understand what's going on. Because I, I am not sure that the demonstration sport exists anymore. Okay, so we'll, we'll go back and see how something becomes a new sport so, now, as opposed to... Right. You know, oh, that, that was actually a question I had, because I wanted to talk with the listeners and see what they think about the sports that are actually in the Olympics. And do they like the current program? Do they like the new sports that are coming to Tokyo, which are baseball and softball are coming back? But uh, they're also having karate and sport climbing and skateboarding and surfing. So are really skateboarding. Yeah. Okay, I guess uh, I just showed my hand on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I would be curious to know what the listeners think about that, or if there are other sports that are not in the Olympics that should be in the Olympics, or even events. Pole dancing. Yes, I know you want pole dancing in because they can, <laughs> they are a recognized sport. That's a whole different trajectory. But um, yeah, I mean, there's so many sports out there that don't have access. They, they aren't in the Olympics at all. So it'd be interesting to see that or possible events that get added because there's stuff like um, synchronized skating exists as a sport. Synchronized, and it's, and it's not, so cool. Yeah. But not I love synchronized skating and I do not understand. Don't. Okay. Sorry. I pushed that button. You did because <laughs> figure skating is such a popular sport. It gets TV ratings. It gets big audiences. They added the stupid team competition, which I know our friend Nate Bartolome loves and a lot mm-hmm. of the athletes love. I hate and you've got the synchronized skating, which are teams which could compete as countries, mm-hmm. and they don't put it in. Yeah, I don't get it. That I don't get. Sorry, you, you mm-hmm. didn't know what you... I, I, I don't get that. I mean, that. I have heard that the Olympics doesn't want big team sports, in, which doesn't make sense anymore now that they put baseball and softball back in. But... I had heard a synchronized skater say once that synchronized had synchro had tried to get in and the, the IOC had said, yeah, no, no more team events because it's too oh, many because, people. But right, because in, t- in um, agenda 2020, right. They the IOC has put a cap on the number of athletes. Right. So a team sport like synchro skating is going to wipe out. Right. Cause you're talking, spaces. you're talking what between 10 and 14 skaters on a team. Or something like that. I mean, you're easily talking eighty to a hundred athletes just right. in that event. Right. So right. okay. I'll so that's take the that's that's the one reason, but it is it is interesting. Uh Rio had eleven thousand two hundred thirty eight athletes. So we're getting okay, so I would imagine maybe twelve thousand tops. That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people to house. Yeah, and Paris is not a big open undeveloped city. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have not been to Paris. You have been to Paris a long yes. time ago. Yes, but it was but, it was pretty dense. But it's a it's a dense city, so it's going to be like London. Well, London had it kind of in an undeveloped area right. of the so, city. So I've, this is going to be new. This will be new territory. And Los Angeles, from what I understand, is using a lot of its collegiate facilities for housing. Right. So they'll use dorms that exist and they'll use uh, existing stadiums. I think the Coliseum's getting used again, but and Staples Center for some things and probably a convention center. So Paris 2024 is going to reuse some existing stadiums. They have uh, the Stade de France. Or the Stade de France. I, I was going to say, you just said that like very German, German and French yes. at the same Sorry. time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so they're going to use a mix of existing and new. And, and I'll tell you, I'm getting this off of Wikipedia because the Paris 2024 site immediately goes into sound, which drives me crazy. And I can't take that. But uh, they're going to... a lot of this looks familiar from reading the bit. Yes, it does. So they're yeah. using an existing stadium for the opening and closing ceremonies and athletics. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that it's some kind of uh, football stadium or soccer stadium right now because it holds 75,000 people. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have a new stadium for swimming, diving, synchro swimming, using something existing for water polo. They're going to use temporary facilities for badminton, volleyball, and shooting. Field hockey will use the old stadium, uh, some existing stuff at arenas for gymnastics and weightlifting a bunch of t and more temporary facilities in like this Paris center zone. They're going to have some stuff on the Champs-Élysées, which will be kind of cool. Have some stuff along the Seine. Um, oh, they're using Roland Garros. Oh, that'll oh yeah. Be for cool. the tennis. That for will the be tennis. really cool. Yeah. So that's. It'll be on clay. That'll right, be fun. Right. Right. Oh, they have a stadium called Pierre de Coubertin. Pierre de Coubertin. Of course they do. And it, that already exists. So. Yes. You, you so, would expect that. Right. It's it's nice that they're doing a lot of existing stuff. Over in Versailles, they've got golf. Uh, thank goodness that's an existing an existing uh, golf course. Uh, they've got a velodrome over there, so that'll be cool. Well, they have to have a velodrome. That's a French right. word. <laughs> How could you not have a velodrome in France? Come on. I don't know. But it doesn't look like they have to build very much, which is, well, they have to build a lot of temporary facilities. Let's, uh, I take that back. They have to build a lot of temporary facilities, but they don't have to build very many new stadiums and new venues. They do have to build an uh, Olympic village, but that looks like it's going to be on some place that's needed. It's a place in the uh, northern suburbs of Paris. Right. Like. And the Olympic villages seem to not be the problem because they seem to either build them with the idea that they're going to be apartments mm -hmm. or build them with the easy ability to be converted to apartments. Right. So it doesn't seem like at least for the past, say 20 years or so that the village is what's the white elephant. It's the stadiums. Right. Particularly um, that the, big one. Yeah. You know, the bird's nest in, in Beijing and uh, mm -hmm. the stadiums in Rio. So I'm not too worried about the, um, I mean, every city needs apartments. Right. You would think, except for, so, you know, I did see this week and it made me very sad because it's happening already. Hey, look what's going on at Pyeongchang. Nothing's happening there. And it made no. me so sad because, because it was one of those, uh, one of the things that's getting a lot of press is the fact that uh, the downhill skiing course went, a lot, they had to like denude a hill for it. 
and people okay. are kind of up in arms over this. Uh, they really like their trees in Korea. So kind of destroying this hill and, and in some people's minds, it's they've destroyed this hill. Will it get reforested unknown or will they have a skiing facility? That's probably also an unknown. There's way more hotels than they need now. There's nobody visiting, but, and, and, uh, the stadium, of course, is gone. They tore it down right away because that was a temporary facility. Right. And I don't know. It, it sounded like there weren't quite set plans in place for a couple, like the hockey venue and things like that. Mm. But you also wanted to say, hey, guys, it's only been a couple of months since the right. Olympics. Right. Wouldn't you have to wait until next winter? Right. Because wasn't it a winter you know, that's sort of like <laughs> judging Aspen by what Aspen is like in July. Right. And they'll get it. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out some stuff for summer. I it's going to take so. some time. And come winter, they're going to get people training because then they can get uh, right. anybody in Asia who has been interested in sliding sports is going to go and train at that facility. And yeah. Uh, especially the Chinese who want to do well at the Beijing Winter Olympics. So right. we're going to keep our fingers crossed. Hold your criticism. Although they, I guess Pyeongchang has said they've made a lot of money from the games. So I don't know what's true on that either. So okay. I know that's the other hard thing, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in Tokyo for, in terms of an Olympics at a very dense city. Right for Paris and ultimately for Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. Because so yes, this is, yeah, I, yeah, I'm very curious to see because on the one hand, because of the size of the Summer Olympics and how big it's become, you can't have these small city villages, you know, kind of quaint sites anymore. They need to be major cities. Right. You need to have a, an, a certain amount of infrastructure and the ability to suddenly get several hundred thousand people in for right a couple of weeks. Right. So you can't have them in a small set. You know, I think even Atlanta would struggle now with how much bigger mm -hmm. it's become. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how these very dense cities manage it and how that's going to work going forward because even the winter olympics have gotten so big so expensive so complicated you know so cheap pyeongchang you know can these places really support these events anymore right will they be you know, able to turn need, right a bigger more populous area but does that work right so i think 2024 especially because that was kind of awarded in this different way. So Paris has got a lot of pressure on it from the Olympic movement. Just, you know, it's got such history. It's had Olympics there before and, and it was Pierre de Coubertin's home and, and to not have a successful Olympics there, I think would just be heartbreaking in so many ways. So I am so rooting for Paris in yeah. 2024. I am because they're using a lot of existing stuff. They're using a lot of temporary stuff. It feels like their bid was really well thought out in terms of financial responsibility and I don't want to say environmental, but, you know, in the city responsibility. So I want them to do well. I am cheering for you, Paris. I would agree. I'm I am hoping they do well. 
I am yeah. interested to see what decisions they make because it is so far away that there's not like they're not working and they're doing a lot of stuff on their end, but it's not a lot of stuff that's public yet. Like what sports right. are they going to have? So we get all these stupid articles about, oh my gosh, esports is going to be in the 2024 Olympics uh. or could, yeah, there's another eye rolly thing for you. But there's so many unknowns to what's going to happen and how things will shake out that we aren't going to know for a couple of years yet, I think. You know, they'll yeah. start having more. And the focus, of course, is on Tokyo. But right, it's still it's still so interesting to see these, oh, we've got two more games out after that. And, you know, what's going to happen? Well, we don't really know. No. You know it's going to be, could be a totally different world by then. Do you know what the best part of an Olympics in Europe is? That time zone? Nope. Close proximity to a lot of royal Olympic fans. You know how I love the queen coming and cheering on their subjects. I mean, basically. And they could. It could be like a two-hour plane ride. Tops. Not even. Not even. I mean, how far is, you know, Luxembourg from Paris? Right. How far is Madrid from Paris? They... They're just going to all come. It's going to be fabulous. I wonder if they'll have royal boxes at the stadium. You no. Know, just because, you know, there's kind of an issue with France and royalty. So oh, I yeah. don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think the French will make royal boxes. But they will be there and they will wear their colors. And, I, and you know, my favorite, Queen Maxima, will be there and... And King Willem Alexander from the Netherlands, and he'll wear his orange scarf, and he'll be cheering, and I will love it. Oh, well, it's exciting, and it's exciting to look back at 1924 and see what they did. Yeah, it's really cool. I know. So we are going to have for the rest of the episode. We've skipped trivia for a few weeks now, so we thought yeah. about having a trivia extravaganza. Is that still? In your yeah, wheelhouse? I, I, I got some questions. All right. All right. Shoot one at me. Okay. I got a Paris question. Okay. okay. So there was a unique shooting event in Paris, 1900. Oh. It only happened oh. in 1900. Was it pigeon shooting? Yeah, live pigeons. <laughs> <laughs> Whose idea was that? I love that. Okay. And I have one more 1900 question. Okay. And this I thought was really cool. Do you think, wait, do you think that maybe they shot the pigeons and then had like a little banquet? Oh, that would be good. Cause then it doesn't feel so unnecessary, but I bet right. they didn't. Hmm. Something. To find I bet out. they just left them there, which makes me sad. I'm sorry I brought that up. What's your next what's your next pair of okay. nineteen hundred question? So, all the countries that competed in nineteen hundred, except for one, still exist. Isn't that cool? Ooh. Okay, so what's so first let me tell you this. I am counting the Russian Empire as a country that still exists. Okay. Because it wasn't the it was not pre Soviet Union, so Correct, and, and so it was all of that. So, but hmm. I'm counting Russia in all its different forms. Okay. So there is one country that did exist in 1900, the only one, which I was really surprised that there was only one, but 
Any guesses? Part of me wants to say like Austro-Hungary. You're on the right track. It was a section of it that was still its own thing in 1900. Are you saying like maybe Bavaria? Close. Bohemia. Oh! It was in 1900. It was still the kingdom of, it was still its own kingdom of Bohemia. Yeah. And it's the only one. All the other countries exist. Wow. And the funny thing is I had looked this up for 20, for 1924. Because I was thinking the same thing, like, what are these countries? And did not have, they all existed. Or they were all like, I, you know, like, right, like Czechoslovakia or something. Yes, yeah. yeah, Czechoslovakia, so that it wasn't like Bohemia. That, right, right. That really doesn't exist anymore. Right, exactly. Wow. And they won a medal. Don't ask Pro- me in what. <laughs> I knew you were about to ask me in what, but I don't know what it is. I have, uh, let me get, let me throw some 1924 questions on you because that, that's oh, okay. the okay. bulk of mine. Do you, there were six cities that bid for 1924 according to games bids. Okay. Can you name any of the other ones? Any of them. Now remember um, two games got awarded at once. So 24 was in Paris. Mm-hmm. Was 28 in Antwerp? No, close. I can't remember where 28 was, but obviously that's going to be one of the other bidding cities mm-hmm. close to Antwerp. Well, I'm going to say, I'm going to say London bid. No, London did not bid. Oh, um, how about Berlin? No. Oh, okay. Just tell me. Okay. Cause clearly so, I don't know. So Amsterdam was 1928, uh-huh. uh, Rome and LA. And then, that's what I saw in the 1924 official report, but then Games Bids also said that Barcelona and Prague bid as well. Really? Yes. Huh. Oh, that's interesting. Now, I should have gotten related LA. to that. Do you remember who the five original bid cities for 2024 slash 2028 were? No. Okay, because it came down. I mean, there was there was LA obviously mm-hmm. and Paris. Right. But, but interestingly enough, also... Oh, no, that was the winter. I was going to say the, the... Yeah, no. Also, interestingly enough, also a century later, Rome bid again. Oh, funny. There's a lot of parallels. Yeah, yeah. The parallels are really interesting. And then Hamburg was the first one to drop out and Budapest was the last one to drop out. So it was just down to Paris and L.A. And that's when huh. they had their little IOC... Come to Jesus yeah, moment. A of, yeah, yeah, a lot of Europe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've been there. so Asia focused the past couple right. of decades, it feels right. like. And now all of a sudden we're we're back to Europe. Back to kind of the traditional traditional Olympic cities, you know, traditional Olympic venues, you know, Paris, you can't get to you know, London, right, Rome. I mean, these are old school. Right. Do you know what other so you had equestrian at Paris twenty nineteen twenty four? But what other horse-related sport was in that Games? Was it like horse racing? No. How about a team sport? A team? How do you have a team horse? Oh, polo. Polo, yes. Did they wear polo shirts? (laughs) Probably. Okay, I have a a men-woman question. Okay. There are only two sports that are open to women, but not men. 
I would say, well, that's synchronized swimming. Yes. And rhythmic gymnastics. Yes, it is. And there is a big controversy on if those sports should be just... That's something we should look at. Because it's really interesting how much they've pushed having women's equality, yet there are these two kind of gaping holes where men don't participate. And we don't really talk about that. As like the, not the, the royal we, but like, we don't hear a whole lot about that. Right. And isn't it funny that those are probably the two sports, certainly in the Summer Olympics, that get made the most fun of in terms of those shouldn't be in the games. Like, is that because they are the only women-only sports? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. That's a very good question. That's why I have, that's why I'm the host of the show. Because I asked this good question. Do you know what the four demonstration sports were in Paris 1924? Not even a clue. Okay. But let's see. Fencing. No, fencing, no, fencing was an original. That's an OG. But that I was know. also I the first. Like after I said it. You know, it was the first time that uh, women fenced. Fence. I yes. knew there was something about fencing in yes. 24. So that was when women started fencing. Okay. Can I, I will give a you a hint. Little... Uh, one of these sports is a, a metal sport now. It is on the water. Oh, canoeing. Yes. Canoeing is was a demonstration sport back then. The other yeah. three, which, because you won't get these at all. I won't. Uh, no. Pelota Basque, which is, it is played in a walled court with a ball and a basket-like racket attached to the hand. It's kind of like high alive, if that makes any sense to you. Yeah, 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 it does. I so, was going to say, like, Basque, yeah. like the Basque region. So yes, it is. High alive is kind of a Spanish thing. Yeah, so it's it's similar to that. Also, French boxing which is now you can call it savat and it's box. It's a fighting sport that uses both the hands and the feet. So that's interesting. Oh, you mean like the ultimate fighting thing where the octagon, they had an octagon in no, Paris? Because, no, no, because oh. <laughs> that involves grappling too. Oh, MMA okay. has grappling. I don't know. And probably some elements of Muay Thai, probably more mixed of other sports, but this is its own martial art. The you realize is a that mixed like half the words you just used, I have no idea what they mean. Oh, <laughs> uh, there, there! It's amazing. The world of martial arts is amazing because there are so many of them. Let's yes, go there. that's true. Okay, so the last demonstration sport, and this is kind of fascinating because I, I didn't go into it too much, but it, it was called. In French, Jeu de la France, which translate, and that's probably really so bad the French. the French game. No, is, isn't no. Isn't that what it uh, translates to? Uh, L'enfance, which is. <laughs> this is or, like me trying horrible. to say something in yes, German. Yes, right? It. Yes, horrible. Childhood games. What is it, like hopscotch? This was like they had sports for kids ages 14 to 18 had something every day and it, they worked i think with the ymca to do this so um, this is like the 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 the, you, the precursor to the youth, youth olympics. olympics yes <gasps> so they had baseball wow. and basketball and cage ball and zigzag relays and uh other kind of bet- relays with batons and dodgeball and volleyball 
They were not well attended. Or well, were not, people, spectators did not attend them. That's the poor what I read about, yes. They went and had to sit there and be like, yay, yay, Pierre, good job. Demonstrate yeah. some more. Oh, so, my yeah. God. So bad for those French parents. So I thought that was really, yeah, really interesting that that was kind of a precursor to the Youth Olympics. And I wonder if that, that idea just kind of sat and festered for a while. We festered the right word. Got any other On questions? a happier note, I, yes. got a, I got a happy one. Okay. What was the first Olympics where the athletes marched together at the closing ceremony, regardless of nationality? Ooh, that's a good question. I know. I was so excited when I found this. Helsinki. So close. Melbourne, 1956. Wow. I know. I was like, so glad that that's been a tradition for mm-hmm. such a long time. Cause I love that tradition. And I remember when we were talking to who was it, who was talking about loving that? Um, oh, Nick Cunningham. When we talked to Nick Cunningham, he said how much he enjoyed that experience of the closing ceremony and how amazing that feeling was. And I always like watching all the athletes come out together and they're all mixed up. And right. So Cause I'm, that's not like the, the cool part of the, that's why the Olympics are the Olympics. Right. And so I, I'm glad that I was surprised that it was such an old tradition. But on the other hand, I wasn't surprised that it was born in Australia, because doesn't that seem so Australian? It does, right? You know, we're all going to go out together. I, I love it. I know. Well, you've been to Australia. I have not. But I have the feeling Australians are a bring them together kind of people. I mean, I hate to stereotype, but just <laughs> that their national feeling is is warm yes i would say and that they are they are a very warm and friendly people yes yes it's and very fun to be together. together yes yeah exactly so if you're gonna have a stereotype let's go with the australians are great people <laughs> and i'd like to go over there and have a drink with them so i'm gonna go with that stereotype being okay i think that's okay i think yes. that's okay Speaking for as I'm now the spokesperson for all of Australia. <laughs> anyway, I got one more question for. I actually had okay. two, but I know the 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 one you're not going to answer because it would be the the art competition that we talked about. Oh, okay. They competed in architecture, literature, music, painting, and sculpture. That is so amazing, and it's so weird too. I love that. My last question is, in 1924, one of the big stars of the swimming pool was Johnny Weissmuller. And Tarzan! He was Tarzan! <laughs> <laughs> I knew that one. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't let you finish No, that's question. okay. Like, I'm like those uh, people with the buzzers, they're just like, boom! <laughs> excited about that one sorry that's okay I, I think that's a good show i think we're good so I we have we've given a lot of people we've given them tasks right well we have tasks. more tasks too because we need to know how you're celebrating olympic fever olympic day hashtag ofod yep. if you're on twitter you've noticed that super fan sarah has taken to the tennis courts this month and is learning yes, tennis yes. which is super exciting um have you made any progress on your efforts 
I, I have, I just haven't posted the picture. I posted a couple of pictures of things that I've been cleaning out. Okay. So my Olympic sport the past couple of weeks has been cleaning out my house. Okay. And finding all kinds of interesting Olympic things. So I posted some books that I found and my sweatshirt and, but I also found something else. Still to I'm, come. Still to come because I'm, yeah, when you see it, you'll understand why I want it to be in good light when I take this. <laughs> so, yeah. yes, I am still working on what I plan to do. Don't know. I really don't know. But uh, we shall see. We shall yeah. see. I was, I was, uh, doing a little, little equestrian research today and it's like oh i'd like to get on a horse oh get on a horse so we'll see Horses are nice we'll see but you think i'd be afraid of horses but i love horses i like horses as well it's been a long time since i've been on a horse but i would yeah. be interested oh. in, in getting on one but in like I'm going to dig riding, out some pictures of when yeah. I, I went horseback riding, the last time I went horseback right. riding. Because like, I look good on that horse. But, like, I would like to horseback ride in, a, in an Olympic way. Except for I don't really want to jump because I'm scared of jumping. I'm I'm not scared you of jumping. that I would try. Really? I'm not scared of the jump. I'm scared of falling off the horse and breaking my back. Oh, like a Christopher Reeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm afraid of. But. Okay. That's fair. not necessarily that that would happen, but I would be interested in like figuring out dressage or something like that. But I think dressage is also very hard. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. I'm trying to find a sport that I haven't really tried, you know, because okay. it's interesting to say, oh, I'm going to go to the pool today and swim some laps. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that counts. The point of Olympic Day is to get out, get active, participate participate with other people. So going to the pool and swimming laps, totally cool. Okay. Hashtag OFOD that. Also, don't forget about our Olympic Fever book club, which is underway. We have our first book that we're doing, which is The Boys in the Boat. That is by your cousin, Mr. Brown, Daniel Brown. Daniel Brown. I don't know if he's really my cousin, but (laughs) I'm just going to say he's my cousin. And if you want to hear that, the audio version of that, you can go ahead and get a free download at Audible. You can sign up for a 30-day uh, trial. That trial is free, and you get the free download with that. It's www.audibletrial.com slash fever, and you can use that for the boys in the boat or any one of their 180,000-plus titles. So check that out as well. And, yeah, we got a lot of stuff going on. A lot I of know. building, a lot of building to something bigger and new. I'm excited. Well, it's an off, you know, now we're in off season. Right. So isn't that what they're doing? Tokyo right. is making its decisions on its pools. <laughs> and we hope. And Paris is, you know, publishing all its plans. So we're, we're, we're kind of in building time, quite yeah. literally. It's exciting. And we've got I some know. cool stuff in the works. I'm really, yeah. I am looking forward to what's coming down this summer. So I know. It's going to be hot. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and keep that flame alive. Stay in touch. Email us at olimfever at gmail.com. That's O-L-Y-M fever at gmail. You can also leave us a voicemail at 530-763-3837. That's 530-70-FEVER. 
We're on Twitter at Olympfever, and you can join in the conversation at our Facebook group, Olympic Fever Podcast. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep the flame alive. I am cheering for you, Paris.